Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Hope you had a lovely weekend. I hope it was soccer-filled. I hope you enjoyed that soccer that you consumed over the weekend. There was some some brilliant stuff happening. We are are in the midst of the soccer of summer. Wait, no, that's not right. The summer of soccer. We're in the midst of that. It continues to roll on, and we haven't even hit the Gold, we haven't hit gold Cup yet. Copa America now into the knockout stages after finishing up the group. Uh, groups, plural, this weekend. The, uh, the Women's World Cup into the group stage, I'm sorry, into the knockout rounds this weekend. Now we have winners. The United States Women's National Team plays tonight against Colombia. We'll definitely have to touch on that today. Uh, I mentioned Copa America. That's where we'll focus with uh, Jack Lang in just a couple of minutes here. Um, we'll talk to him. He's a writer for the Mirror, ESPN FC, Brazilian soccer. Well, he covers Brazil mostly, but obviously we'll talk to him about the entire tournament down in Chile as uh, we do have quarterfinal matchups set. The path to the final is pretty damn good for Chile, for the hosts, as a matter of fact. We'll talk to him about the uh, Arturo Vidal situation, the Neymar situation, all of those things. That's coming up very shortly, so stay tuned for that. Let's hit the news here before we get to Jack. Multiple reports, uh, multiple outlets reporting that Andrea Pirlo is heading to New York City FC. Pirlo, uh, obviously, uh, just leaving Juventus or has not yet announced that. I mean, this is the uh, this would be the next step in his career. Said that he would uh, consider his options after the Champions League final. Was spotted at Yankee Stadium this weekend, taking in a baseball game. Looking, uh, I don't know. Would you call that chic? I wouldn't call that necessarily chic, Trevor. But he looked something. He was wearing a, a sweater. He looked uh, looked like a guy going out to a baseball game. I guess. Who maybe doesn't know much about base? I don't know. He, he, look, it's Andrea Pirlo. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to slate the guy. Uh, but he was. He was spotted at uh, at Yankee Stadium. This is a story from Stefan Bondi over at the New York Daily News. Arturo, uh, sorry, Arturo. Uh, Andrea Pirlo, the Italian midfielder magician, is on the cusp of signing a contract with New York City Football Club. The Daily News has learned Pirlo will represent the MLS expansion club's third designated player, joining David Villa and Frank Lampard to form one of the most expensive rosters in league history. Despite just coming off a long club season with Juventus and this month's UEFA Champions League final, Pirlo will be available for the expansion club within a few weeks, a source close to the situation said. Summer transfer window opens July 1. Pirlo has to get out of the one year remaining on his deal with Juventus. His salary with NYCFC Will be about the same as Lampard and Villa, uh, Villas, or uh, or between five and six million dollars per year. He was at Yankee Stadium on Saturday, taking in his uh, future home while spotted with Manchester City Chief Executive Ferran Soriano. This deal is not yet yeah, said not to be complete yet, uh, but could be coming down the pipe today, uh, later this week. Unveiling certainly coming later later this week, uh, according to the reports. And just think about this, as pointed out by Dan Dickinson on Twitter. You get to unveil Andrea Pirlo, one of the most uh, beloved football players, uh, footballers in the world, just days ahead of a 
New York City Derby match with the New York Red Bulls. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good uh, PR. Now, there are other reports. Mr. Bondi has reported as well that while the NYCFC staff wanted to go younger with the third DP slot, it was actually City Football Group that overruled them and signed Pirlo. So uh, that seems like an internal disagreement that uh, may not work out in the end, but for the time being, more star power to MLS. Uh, the gift. This is a gift that will keep on giving and giving and giving for as long as he remains part of the scene. Diego Maradona reportedly running for FIFA president, according to Uruguayan Arthur Victor Hugo Morales. He told me he was going to run for FIFA president and authorized me to inform, tweeted Morales, who co-hosted a television program with Maradona during last year's World Cup finals. I am a candidate were the words of Diego Mar- uh, were the words Diego Maradona used to answer me when I consulted him about the nomination for the presidency of FIFA. So uh yeah, Diego Mar- Maradona in the FIFA presidential race would be absolutely amazing. Women's World Cup, I mentioned that China down in Cameroon in the uh in the round of 16, Germany beating Sweden 4-1 statement game by the Germans. Australia shocked Brazil, one nothing. Brazilian coach after that match whining about the structure of the tournament. Yes, yeah, shut up. France, three. South Korea, nothing. Canada beating Switzerland, one nothing. So the hosts, who have a nice little path to the final themselves, if they're able to take advantage of it, uh, beat the Swiss, one nothing, on a goal by Belanger. Watch that, uh, watch that game. A very open, uh, kind of hectic, not very well played game, but it was entertaining nonetheless. Tonight, United States versus Colombia, Norway versus England. The Colombians have built themselves quite the straw man, excuse me, uh, indicating that they believe the United States has disrespected them and that uh, the U.S. has still not forgotten the 2012 Olympics incident in which Lady Andrade uh, elbowed Abby Wambach. Now, the Americans have uh, taken the high road, uh, said they respect the Colombians very much, and they will do their best to beat them. It's a very strange situation up in Canada. Copa America results, Brazil beat Venezuela 2-1 to win Group C. Brazilians have also dropped their appeal over Neymar's suspension. He will miss the rest of the tournament and has, in fact, left Brazil camp. Peru, 0. Colombia, 0. That puts both of those teams through a goalless draw. Quarterfinal matchups now set. Chile versus Uruguay. Bolivia versus Peru. Argentina versus Colombia. Brazil versus Paraguay. So you have a potential Argentina-Brazil semifinal matchup. And as I said, Chile with a path to the final. They would, uh, If they can beat uh, Uruguay, they would take on the winner of Bolivia-Peru. And in disappointing news out of Italy, Parma FC has been declared bankrupt, uh, according to reports, and will be forced to go down to the amateur divisions in order to w- uh, climb their way back up to Syria. So that's, uh, that's not good things there. Let's take a break. When we come back... Jack Lang, formerly known as Snap, Snack, Snap, Kaka Pop, excuse me, will join us to talk Copa America. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Born in the far off land, a nation of heat and sand, a father who ruled by force, a mother. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand 
featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Let's turn our attention now to South America, 2015 Copa America in Chile. On the line with me now is Jack Lang. Used to have the best name on Twitter. Now he's just at Jack Lang. What, what happened, Jack? What's going on? Uh, well, it was a it was a silly pun, Jason. It was <laughs> I one, love, one I love that silly didn't, didn't necessarily translate well to all the regions. So <laughs> no, I, I decided to go for a bit more professional approach. I do understand why you changed. I just I I, I do have to shed a tear for Snap Kaka Pop. It was uh, one of the best. Uh, Best Twitter names out there, um, Jack. This is the this tournament uh, rolls on. We know how, we now have our quarterfinal matchups at Copa America 2015. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's let's talk about uh, these results to finish out the group stages. Brazil beats Venezuela to win Group C. No surprise there. They did. They had to do it without Neymar. And I and I guess the other element is that they have dropped their appeal over Neymar's ban. Um, what ultimately led to the decision not to pursue that? No, I think there was there was a kind of realization in the Brazil camp that for all their anger at the situation, they didn't really have a leg to stand on because not only did Neymar receive two bookings and you know that the red card after the final whistle, he was really lucky in that game not to see red in the first half when he he grabbed the referee. He subsequently smashed the ball away with his hand after being penalised for a for a foul. It was a tetchy angry performance from him and he didn't he didn't play well in the with the ball either it was a very poor performance from him against Colombia mm-hmm. and i think there was there was a realization that should brazil kind of pursue further appeals that that would might distract from the kind of the, the players that are left in the squad mm-hmm. and i think in a way in a in a bizarre way really i mean certainly his absence will reduce brazil's chances of winning but this has been a question that Brazil have had lingering in their minds for a long time. How can they do without Neymar? Mm. So in a bizarre way, I think there's, there's always a sense of opportunity that it might not end well, but at least they're going to see how the other players can cope. They're going to be able to test a few options. And if it all ends in disaster, well, at least they can shrug their shoulders and say, well, our, our main man wasn't playing. <laughs> it's true. They, are, they have a built-in excuse now uh, for the rest of this turn. It should, should not go well, but they, under Dunga, we know that they don't necessarily play the most expansive football, Jack. And, and now you've taken out their most dangerous attacking option. That makes them even less fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly. I, I watched the game against Venezuela yesterday. I'm sure you did as well. There was there were long periods of the game in which very little happened. The same was true of their opening two games. This isn't a side that excites in the way the great Brazil teams of the past had. Um, I think it's it's kind of out of date now to think of Brazil as that, that flowing side that we saw in the 70s and 80s. But there's still a lingering sense of expectation that they will at least provide 
the odd moment of genius, even you know in the 90s and 2000s, you had players capable of something special. Really, Neymar in the current group of players is the only player who can produce something that will take your breath away. So what you have left when he's absent is a kind of a serviceable group of players who, you know, there are players in there who every now and again will have a will have a fantastic match. William, for example, played very well mm-hmm. yesterday. But they aren't players who will shine on a regular basis. They aren't players who will kind of string 25 passes around near the box in the way that the great Spain team of a few years ago would have. Sure. It's, it's a serviceable team. It's one which... It has conceded in every game so far this tournament. The, the defence is largely solid, I feel. Mm. But we saw yesterday, the last 10 minutes or so, there were, there were four centre-backs on the field, two full-backs, two defence midfielders. There certainly isn't a team to, to inspire fans to dream. Let's come to, to Neymar and his uh, the, the way he's viewed, certainly within Brazil. But look, he's coming off an, an amazing year with, with Barcelona. There's uh, he's, he's been a fantastic addition to that side. He's become part of that trio that has dominated uh, European football over the last year. Uh, and yet, I, I don't know where, where he fits within the, the Brazilian narrative. He's clearly the, the most talented player, the, the most famous player. He's got that petulant streak, which now sees him miss this entire tournament. Where, do, where does he fit there? I think it's, uh, it's a tough situation because in a, in a past generation where there may have been two or three players of that quality, the kind of petulance we saw we saw this week, the kind of I don't know, almost the, there's a, there's a childishness to him, both on the field at certain moments. I think that's become quite rare, thankfully, but off the pitch as well, he's a guy that kind of likes to joke around. He's, uh, he's seen as perhaps, you know, uh, the real link to somewhat, the kind of playfulness mm-hmm. with which Brazil is often associated, which I think many people like. He's, I think if there were other players who, were able to produce that level of performance, he may come in for a little more scrutiny. But the fact is, most Brazilians are, are painfully aware that he is their best chance of you know, succeeding in any major tournament for the next five years, possibly for the next 10 years. So there's a level of patience with him. Maybe he's forgiven a little more than other players would be. Certainly when he came through the ranks at Santos, there was a little bit of hand-wringing about him when he, he would take penalties and the, the little chip style. He'd, he'd missed two or three penalties in a row. He was once substituted by his manager and threw a little fit and ended up not getting substituted, leading an, an opposition coach to, to claim that Brazil was creating a monster by kind of indulging this young talent. Since then, in my opinion at least, he's he's matured a lot. He's someone who by and large, is given a lot of responsibility for his age. He's a lot of expected of him, both at club and international level. And, you know, that comes with, now and again, there is, there is a cost to that, which the pressure can get to him against, uh, against Colombia. He seemed desperate to do everything on his own, perhaps aware of the fact that his teammates weren't really helping him out a great deal. So I think the answer to your question is that it's not ideal, this kind of petulance, but... Mm-hmm given the situation he's in, I think a little bit of it can be forgiven, even if he's, he's really harmed their chances this year. Uh, let's turn to, um, well, I mean, we can look at obviously at the, at the rest of, of the um, the group stages and, and the way that they finished. And, and I guess what I'll come to is the other big story focused on one player so far, and that's Arturo Vidal. Obviously, 
the uh, the drunk driving incident and uh, the arrest and, and and ultimately Sampioli deciding to keep him in the squad. I don't know that the reaction in, in Chile has been uh, much to do about anything because I imagine they want him in the team. The rest of the world seems to be aghast by this, uh, and yet he's clearly he's clearly so crucial to their chances, and he's leading the tournament in goals, Jack. Yeah, I mean, it's a very tricky situation because I, I can see it both ways. He's a superb player. You know, he gives them their, their momentum from deep. He's a central midfielder, but you see him all over the pitch. He's already won two penalties, which he's converted. He set up goals. He gets back and makes tackles. He's an absolute powerhouse in every respect, a really world-class footballer. Um, so naturally, he's seen as crucial to their chances they want him to play in every game if possible at the same time you know what he did there's there's no excuse for it there's there's the the factor of setting setting an example to youngsters I think that is often overplayed in football but when it's when it's a a crime like the one he is alleged to have committed I think you know I don't know what the court situation is but Mm. I, I think he probably hasn't got much of a leg to stand on in the case it, it you know it's not a good look to be indulging your best footballers when they commit crimes in their own country and with the whole world watching mm-hmm. i think there's certainly an argument to be made that he should have been made an example of that at the very least he could have been kept out of the firing line for chile's next game and you know even that small punishment would have sent some kind of message that look, this is not something we accept. The fact that he was brought straight, straight into the side, played again a couple of days after the incident, you know, I don't think that looks good for anybody. I kind of understand why they would do it because he's possibly their best player, but it's a situation that I'm sure if he had his time again, he would, he would look to avoid because it, it really doesn't look good for him. And now Chile moves on to the um, to the quarterfinals, obviously, as, as winners of Group A. Uh, and the matchups are set. Uh, Chile will take on uh, Uruguay, um, Bolivia, Peru in the other on the other uh, in the other quarterfinal on that side of the bracket, and then Argentina, Colombia, and Brazil, Paraguay. So, you know, uh, with with games to be played yet, Jack, of course, but mm. Chile's path to a final seems pretty clear. Meanwhile, Brazil and Argentina perhaps on a collision course in a semi. Yeah, it's opened up really nicely for Chile. I think. Probably, you know, a glance at that draw, you'd think, oh, that's, that's a tough quarter final against Uruguay. But the reality is that Uruguay haven't been playing very well. They're clearly missing Luis Suarez. Up front, we all know about Cavani's quality, but he's the kind of system they're using, I don't feel is bringing the best out of him. They look a little bit clunky. They lack a, a creator, I think. That's a side that is functional. They're good at the back and they have, they have some great defenders. Mm-hmm. But I think Chile will will be fairly confident of being able to do a job on them, especially if they play with the kind of verve they've shown so far. And then after that, Bolivia, you know, they they, they oversaw them in the group stage. Peru is an interesting side that made life tough for Brazil, but I, I don't think they're real contenders to win this. So I think Chile will be now looking at the final as a minimum requirement. Mm. On the other side, Brazil-Paraguay, I mean, Brazil were eliminated in the last Copa America by Paraguay on penalties. Paraguay always make things tough for Brazil. I don't think that will be easy by any by any stretch of the imagination. Of I can see that being a low scoring game just mm-hmm. decided by a moment of, you know, quality or, or even an error. But I think Argentina v Colombia, I think that could be very interesting. Colombia haven't shown so far 
only scored one goal in three games, really snuck through more out of luck than anything. Right. But if, if they if they turn up, they could trouble Argentina, who themselves haven't looked brilliant. So I, I think that is certainly the tougher half of the draw, not because anyone is playing amazingly well, but just because of the, the capabilities should Argentina, Brazil or Colombia find a little bit of form. Well, it's bring, it brings me to a question of the overall quality of this tournament, and, and maybe that's not the point, Jack. It's not necessarily, and, and we've seen plenty of bad football being played at, at the World Cup level. We, we know these, these tournaments don't always produce um, the best. Maybe maybe Euros do, but but for whatever reason, mm. it, and, and it, you know, the margins are small for the most part, and, and it's been, outside of maybe Group A, everything's been fairly low scoring to this point as well. Is that just uh, is is that a tactical uh, issue? Is it is it the physical nature of of the games because the intensity is so high? Is it what is it? What would you account uh, account for that? I think I think there is a certain possibly the the way the thing is structured that there being three groups of four, only four out of the twelve teams are eliminated in the first round. So you know a draw often is is a useful result to pick up. Teams can get through with a win and a draw, we've seen. Um, you know, Ecuador were in contention in the last game, only having won one game. In the end, they're eliminated, but they could have snuck through. So the format, I think, perhaps rewards a little bit of conservatism. Tactically, teams know that draws will really boost their cause. If they pick up one win, another draw will likely be enough. That doesn't help. I think there's also... Perhaps a level of tiredness from some of the big teams. We've seen that perhaps with Argentina. They, you know, they've got some great players coming in off really long seasons. So perhaps they, there's a, a touch of tiredness there. But I think Group A is an interesting one. I think teams like Chile, their players are very well honed. They, they're used to playing together. But there are players who can shine at this level who have really struggled at club level, you know, a good example would be Vargas for Chile, mm-hmm. someone who sat on the bench most of the season at one of the, you know, one of the worst teams in the Premier League, KPR, someone who, you know, really didn't make much of an impact at all over the whole of the season. He's turned up at the Copa America and he's, you know, basically unplayable in attack. Same for Valdivia, his kind of playmaker tucked in behind. Had a really poor time of things in Brazil at, at Palmeiras. Rocks up at the Copa America and he looks like a like a genius. So perhaps you know the, the criticism of the level, the overall level, I think perhaps is you know there's something behind that. I'm hoping that now the knockout stage begin, we get to see a little bit more attacking impetus. We've seen it from Chile, but I'd like to see Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay offer a little bit more going forward. And I'm hoping that the fact that everything is on the line in these games now means that we'll, we'll see a few more goals, a bit more excitement. Well, let's uh, let's come to you. You mentioned uh, Argentina there. Obviously, lots of focus on Argentina. Certainly, one of the pre-tournament favorites. Um, you would expect uh, you know Messi to be to be playing well. I mean, a long European season for him, of course, the longest possible, and yet. You know, if you could imagine just carrying that form into this tournament, he should have. He should be fine. Is Argentina in a position? I mean, they're clearly in a position to go to win it now that they're in the the quarterfinal stages, as we expected them to be. Um, but with uh, with the way that they're playing, do you see them as at this point, um, maybe alongside Chile, as the favorite? Uh, yeah, I think they have to be considered the favorites alongside Chile. I think we saw against in the Jamaica match. It may have only been one 0 but there were there were lots of things 
in that game that I think will have will have been heartening for Tata Martino, the coach. There was Di Maria looking, I think, playing as well as he has done for, for almost a year. Yeah. Had a really good game, popping up in the round box, hit the bar, was really involved after looking a little bit lacklustre during the club season for Manchester United. That was impressive. Higuain came with Aguero resting. Higuain scored, looked very lively. There are also good performances from the likes of Pastore and Zabaleta. So I think theirs is a squad that's probably packed deeper with talent than any other one at the competition. They haven't really shone so far. You know, four goals in three matches isn't a great return considering the forwards they've got in their ranks. But I think they will they will improve as the tournament goes on. I think they'll be eyeing a good win in the quarterfinals against Colombia, who haven't really pulled up much sticks yet. So I you know, I think Argentina probably just about favourites on quality over Chile, even if even though Chile have probably got a little bit more momentum at the stage. Mm. Uh, we, we we touched on. I'm going to get to a couple. I'm going to get to another disappointing performance that's maybe of interest specifically to our listeners here in in the states, Jack. But uh, Colombia, uh, what what is wrong with Colombia? I think a lot of people maybe uh, not not initiated in in certainly in, in Copa America, maybe not in Comnable on a regular basis. Remember how how Colombia played at the World Cup. Know how good James Rodriguez is. Uh, think of Falcao as perhaps still very, being very good. They have quality throughout that team. What's what's the problem? I think the the easy answer, and you know, there isn't there is a fair bit of truth behind it, is the problem is Falcao himself. This is someone who had a terrible season at club level, has really looked shot since that serious knee injury sustained well over a year ago now that, that kept him out of the World Cup. That was heartbreaking for someone who was such a key player for them, you know, their captain, their talisman. Since he's come back, his form has just fallen through the floor. He looks shorn of confidence. He looks unable to reach the physical level he was at before, which is, you know, of course, completely understandable and we should feel sympathy for him. But the, the truth is that Peckerman's insistence on picking him is is ruining the balance of the side. Falcao no longer has the, the running power to play up front alone. So he's having to play with a partner. The first couple of games, it was Carlos Baca, and now it's been Diego Gutierrez, who's you know a very handy player. But the fact he's having to play him with a partner means that the kind of balance they had at the World Cup when they played with only one out-and-out striker and then James Rodriguez, Cuadrado and Ibarbo tucked in behind, that balance is, is, is no longer there. That means that Rodriguez is having to drift wide to find space. Mm-hmm. So he's perhaps not having quite the influence he would hope for. Cuadrado too is, is not quite shown at the same level. But I think if they want to challenge Argentina, I think you know the only reasonable thing to do would be to say, "Look, sorry, Falcao, we know you've been an important player for us. You're you're our leader in the dressing room, but the way he's playing is just is is holding Colombia back." Well, look, look, I think. Well, I'm sorry, Jack. Jose Peckerman is a very good coach, a very smart coach. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Is this is this a, is this a political thing within the the Colombia setup, or is this Peckerman just being blind to what Falcao is at this point? I think I think there's in these kind of situations there's always a hangover of of what a player was before and the, the hope of what he could become again. I think we saw that throughout the season at Manchester United. They were forever how how bad Falcao was playing. There was always a lingering hope that 
something could click, you know, just even if accidentally, and he could become that player that shone for Atletico Madrid and, and Porto. So I think perhaps Peckerman in the group stage at least thought that, well, look, it's worth a go. We give him two games, two and a half games to see if he can find that form. It hasn't worked. And I don't know if, you know, I don't know the background, if there are any political urges for him to keep him in the side. But in pure footballing terms, I think the experiment to, to bring him back and make him their central striker has, has failed, really. And I would, you know, Peckerman is, as you say, he's a clever guy, at, you know, one of the most experienced coaches at the competition. I'd be very surprised if he didn't, if he wasn't seriously considering dropping Falcao now. It uh, brings me now to, to Mexico, a CONCACAF representative down at Copa America along with Jamaica. I, I don't think a lot of it was expected of Jamaica. They do have some, some young talent, but this was not a tournament where, um, where anyone expected them to, to progress. Meanwhile, Mexico, uh, you know, one of those, those countries, and certainly uh, around here, Jack, we think of them as, as maybe a talented country that under, underwhelms, underachieves. They had a good World Cup. They had a strong World Cup from, from their perspective after a very difficult qualifying period. And they come into this tournament maybe with higher hopes, except they also have to balance two major competitions in the same summer. Um, just, just give me your, your perspective on, on the squad they brought. You may not be ultra, you know, overly familiar with their players, but certainly they didn't take a very strong squad. And they paid for it. Um, is this something that that will fre- reflect negatively on, on Mexican football? I think it's the task that they're being asked to, you know, to face up to of playing in two major tournaments, international tournaments, within a couple of months of each other. I think that would be a hard ask for for even the deepest squads in international football. So I think those are, you know, there are extenuating circumstances, and I completely understand Herrera's position that he cannot, you know, he cannot take his full squad to both of those and expect his players after a long season to perform at two tournaments in a couple of months. It's, you know, it's it's just too much to ask, even from the fittest professionals out there. That said, the fact that he's kind of focused on the Gold Cup over this, I think that's probably understandable. I think, you know, even Mexico's Probably Mexico's best side would would be in, a, in with the chance of reaching the latter stages of the Copa America. Perhaps wouldn't be favourites to win it, but you know, if picking players like Vela, like Chicharito, yeah. would would give them a big chance. These are players who, at that level, I think would would probably do very well indeed. The squad that he's chosen, you know, I think that there's talent there. Jimenez is a player I like, even if he hasn't quite kicked on in the way that some hoped. Buosa did very well, of course, with that brace in the second game. Um, but I think there are just there are just players there that are beginning to look a little tired, and so Rafa Marquez, Salcedo, mm-hmm. these are players that perhaps you know will be phased out over the next few years. The players coming through, you know, there I think there are some good players in the squad, but perhaps deep down it's it's just a psychological thing. They know that the the main focus is coming up later in the summer, and I think that probably undermine the touch the players that have been selected for this one. You know, Jack, it's interesting because, um, you know, for, for U.S. fans who uh, sort of covet a, a chance to go back down and play in a Copa America, it's frustrating because back in, in 2007, obviously the U.S. went to the tournament and Bob Bradley took what was a, a young experimental squad. They didn't do very well. And, and the, the, the scuttle is that 
Commonwealth was not happy with that and have have not yet uh, invited the U.S. back to the tournament. Meanwhile, Mexico, who I know is a, a perennial, well, that's not the wrong word, it's not the wrong word, but a, a consistent uh, participant in the tournament can do something like this, and no one expects them to be punished by Commonwealth, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I think I think it's. It's a tough situation, whether it's whether it's the USA or Mexico. The, the fact they're sending a squad that probably, you know, even Herrera in his more honest moments would would probably admit that this wasn't a squad capable of of lifting the trophy. I think the fact that he's done that to focus on the on the Gold Cup, I I, I think that's his prerogative. I understand that, but at the same time, it, I can uh, I can certainly understand the frustration from the USA who had love a little of the you know it's a it's kind of a it's a glamour date really it's something that is a little bit out of the ordinary given that there are there are two guest spots per year we've seen you know jamaica even though they haven't done very well this year they their presence at the tournament has kind of raised a few eyebrows brought a little extra interest so certainly the you know the return of the u.s team would would be a real boon to the tournament i think it would it would bring something a little different again it would certainly bring more interest both to the stadiums and on television worldwide and that's something i would like to see again happening in the next few years if if you know the the powers that be loosen their position a touch well we 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 have a proposed tournament next year 2016 the centenario tournament uh still up in the air based on on all of the fifa scandal jack uh you know it, it may not fit in the Within the the normal narrative standard of 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 Copa Americas, uh, although I know the tournament has jumped around timing wise, but certainly having it outside of the continent has got to make it a, a different thing. I, I think it would be a, a massive success, even re, you know, regardless of whether or not Argentina, Brazil, whoever brought their best, their absolutely best squads. Um, mm. I, I don't know what you you know. I I hope it happens. I don't know what I don't know what else to say except I hope that they can figure out a way to make it uh, make it happen despite all of the uh, the bribery scandal. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's it's unusual for a tournament to kind of be broken out of its rhythm like this. As you say, a Copa America is, you know, it's a competition whose timing, whose rules have probably been more varied than any other international competition out there from its from its roots, what, what it is today. It's an interesting competition. I think that the fact that they're willing to try something out, take it to North America... I, I see that only as a positive as well. I think it's going to be exciting if it does go ahead. And, you know, I don't think it's something we can expect to see very often. But as a one-off, I think, you know, why not? We've seen Brazil play a lot of friendlies in the U.S. over the last few years. There's certainly the appetite to see these teams. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's, uh, I think it'll be a great thing. Jack Lang, follow him on Twitter, at Jack Lang. You don't even need to spell that for you. Um, he writes uh, for many places, including ESPN FC, Blizzard, The Mirror. Da- uh, Jack, I appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, hopefully the quarterfinals and the, the rest of this tournament uh, bring some entertainment. Looking forward to it. Nice one. Hope you enjoy it. There goes Jack. Good stuff from him. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines, get your questions, comments, and concerns on the air on a Monday. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast 
of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning, Monday edition of the program. Eight, uh, sorry, let me try that again. 646-832-3909. Sorry, the music just disappeared on me. Here We're taking your phone calls on a Monday, lots to talk about. It's good discussion with Jack Lang about Copa America there. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep an eye on everything that's happening because there's just so much soccer. Maybe you'd like to talk about the MLS weekend because there's a lot... A lot there to digest, as well as Women's World Cup and Copa America and everything else. And the Andrea Pirlo news. Maybe that's where you want to start. Where are my NYCFC people? Because I want to know how you feel about this. Not just, hey, we signed Andrea Pirlo. How do we jam him in? in how do we jam him into our midfield? But also what you make of the report from Stefan Bondi that Figures within the club preferred a younger DP, preferred somebody more sprightly. Not that Andrea Pirlo is not a fantastic player. We know that. But he is, what, 37 years old at this point? 36. To be 37 next year. Okay. So he's not quite 37 yet. I don't want to age the man. He's 36. So sprightly does not apply to Andrea Pirlo. Is this, are you, are you, are you thrilled about this? I guess is the question for me. Are you, are you so, are, are you excited to see what can happen? Even though there may be questions about how to really, again, how to get him in to the team, how to figure out a way to, to play a balanced version of soccer, especially in an MLS context with Andre Apparel. And then the element of, Maybe this isn't what our what our coaching staff wanted. Maybe this isn't what our leadership wanted. Maybe this isn't what Claudio Reyna wanted. Maybe they wanted somebody else, somebody younger, somebody less expensive, probably. And what did City Football Group do? They said, hey, we don't really care what you want. We want to get Andrea Pirlo in. It's going to sell a lot of tickets and jerseys. And maybe he'll be good. I mean, that, that's the feeling I get. Maybe, maybe it'll be good. You can't just assume that Andrea Pirlo walks into MLS, an incredibly physical, fast league, and just dominates. We've seen this before. Doesn't always happen. It takes a while to get adjusted. It's not, it's not clear that he's going to be a success. You need to 
you need to see this over the course of maybe a year before you really believe. I mean, I look if he if he comes in, it's ping, 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 and I mean. <laughs> Trevor says, I don't think there's any doubt he'll be good. Will it work? No idea. I don't know either, and, and, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Why take the risk on a 36-year-old player, pay him five and a half, six million dollars jam him, again, jam him into a midfield that's already, not only do you have many pieces to fit into that team, but you also have age coming out. I mean, Frank Lampard and Andrea Pirlo have to be combined the oldest pair of central midfielders MLS has ever had. That any MLS team has ever had. I mean, am I wrong about that? Give me another one. That's even close. And here's the pro- here's another problem. Sean on Twitter. Does it help MLS that it be- that it becomes the league where European footballers come to die? Like the NASL. Is is MLS an elephant graveyard? Is that where we're going with this? And I, I like I've been on the record before with the retirement league stuff. Even though I know it's not a retirement league, it is a place where European footballers come to get their last couple paychecks and maybe hanging them up, hang them up. You know, I, I think Robbie Keane came in here, came here young enough. Spri- I'm gonna use that word again, sprightly enough. He's always been fantastic. That's not a retirement player. That's a player who wanted to try an adventure, wanted to take his very pretty wife to L.A. They've had they've had success. But when you see it like when you see Lampard and Gerard and now Pirlo. That's where the retirement league tag comes from. And even though MLS is not a retirement league, as long as they're signing these players, it's going to have that perception. There's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing we as fans can do about it. We can argue and rant and rave about the quality that's in MLS, but we will always be shouted down as long as they are spending $6 million a year on a player like Andrea Pirlo. And here's the thing. Andrea Pirlo might still be good enough. I mean, he had a good year for Juventus. He's probably still good enough to help them next year. Italian footballers age pretty well usually. He could help them. And yet, because he's joining MLS, Retirement League, boom. Let's go to New York. Let's talk about Pirlo. Who's this? It's Bill from Rockland. What's up, Bill? Yeah, I just want, I do two things. I actually wanted to talk about the Sasha Red card, but I wanted oh, to God. put my two cents in about Pirlo. Okay, go for Pirlo, I, I just, and we'll get, we'll get to, we definitely have to get to Sasha, Bill. I will. They, uh, do they think they're going to win the MLS Cup this year? Why bring this guy on right you know, now? That's a very, look, that's exactly part of this, right? Because if this is about being competitive, this is about winning football games, winning soccer games, Do you, you? then maybe you sign him because you think you're close. Maybe Andrea Pirlo is the last piece. Maybe we've got all of the, the constituent parts to go and win an MLS, except that they don't, and they should know that they don't. And, yeah, you won three games in a row, whoop de freaking do this is this is a signing that's because it's not a last piece, because it's not a final piece, because he's going to age out of this league in what, two years? They are three years the most? This is a let's sell jersey signing, Bill. Definitely. And they're a mess. You know, the team doesn't want the player. They, they, 
I mean, Yankees don't want the team in the stadium. The whole situation is a mess here at New York yeah, City. It is. But uh, I, I really I wanted to talk about that Sasha red card. The guy Watson, he's got to be suspended two games after that. He destroyed that last game. As yeah. soon as that red card happened, that game is destroyed. Yeah. By him flopping and dancing all over the floor. They've got to see this now and say, all right, you know what? You ruined that game. You're suspended now for two games. I, I, um, you know, certainly the, he threw the elbow. I don't know what the hell he was complaining about when, uh, when, um, who was the, who's Waston? When Waston went down, that was, uh, that was basically drawing attention to the whole sequence, which I, I'm not saying he should have gone down. I'm not saying Waston didn't play it up and ham it up with the last kick, but certainly Kleshton threw an elbow and kicked out. I mean, how do you possibly make an issue out of that when you get sent off? Well, yeah, and I had no problem with the red card on him. But just the whole dancing and, and going down on the floor and everything else, it yeah. ruined the whole game after that. Yeah. And I was like, so he's got to get a suspension for that, too. Yeah. I think both guys. I mean, he deserves the red card. So actually, he threw the elbow. It was a stupid move. But even with the kickback, that kickback wasn't going to knock anybody down on the ground. No, 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 no. It wasn't. You know, but The way he fell down. Sure, sure. I understand that. But you're right. That, that game was... That game was ruined from that point on. And, and it, it, the funny thing is that even though that game was ruined from that point on, New York absolutely had a chance to win it. But for whatever reason, BWP can't hit a penalty to save his life. I mean, I'm giving Usted credit for saving those, but the second one in particular was a dog was crap horrible. penalty. Terrible penalty. And, and Bradley White feels to be ashamed of himself today, Bill. Yeah, it was. It was a mess. <laughs> I mean, we always said it, even last year. I really said it last year. The guy gets a million opportunities. Of course, he's going to put some away. And a right. game like that shows that the guy just doesn't put things away. Yeah. You know, he's going to miss two or three before he makes that one. Yeah. And he had Henri putting on his foot all year long. So, of course, he's going to score a lot of goals. He doesn't have that guy putting on his foot every single game now. And he's just not going to score so many goals. And now this is going to be in his head, I think. And I think it's going to screw him up with a couple of big games that we have coming up now this week. Yeah, there's uh, it's it's gonna get it's gonna get rough before it gets easier. And, that, and now, like, I mean, I don't, I would expect the Red Bulls to, you know, to, to I don't know if I expect them to win away to NYCFC next weekend, but that game, you you, you definitely think the Red Bulls are a better team than NYCFC, and yet here they are scuffling. Now they got to go up there. It's gonna be thirty thousand people in the house. There's a very good chance Andrea Pirlo's unveiled at, either at that game or or just before that game, and, and is there. You could see, you know, you could see this becoming a problem for the Red Bulls pretty quickly. Yeah, and then the Cosmo game right after that. Yeah, we, right. We yeah. can't lose them two years in a row. <laughs> yeah, F- quickly falling behind in the New York soccer wars. Appreciate the call, Bill. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. There you go. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. I am a fan of Andrea Pirlo. In, a, in, in isolation, take Andrea Pirlo and you say, what do you think of him as a player, as a figure, as a dashing individual? And I'll say, I love Andrea Pirlo. That guy's great. That is that I aspire to his beard. I do. But you, you drop him in with NYCFC. Because it's not just, it's not MLS in general terms. Because there are teams where you could plop Andrea Pirlo into those teams and I go, wow, that's. That's kind of cool. That's kind of an interesting idea. How will that? Okay, I could see that working. They they certainly a deep line playmaker for that for Team X. Oh, that might work. Look at those. Oh, they, they lots of uh lots of runners, lots of diagonals, lots of uh, opportunities for switches. Oh wow, this is going to be interesting. 
But you put him in the NYCFC, and I say, wait a second. Hold on a minute. How exactly? Frank Lampard is, and you got mix. And so what does this mean for Tommy Matt? So Poku's never going to, and I have no idea. I have, I, I mean, that's maybe that makes it more fascinating. Maybe that makes it more fun to have no idea how this is going to work. And and you, you do you feel for Jason Christ or do you are you envious? I mean, if you're if you're a coach of another team, do you go, oh my god, that guy just has he get look at all the toys he gets. Look at all the things he's got. David Villa starting at striker for crap. and now he's got Frank Lampard and Andrea Pirlo joining the team in the same month. So are you are you envious or do you go wait a second this they didn't he didn't want this guy, which again sort of weird. Okay, yes. It's weird not to want Andrea Pirlo, but I think it's justifiable. I think it's defensible on the part of Jason Christ to not want Andrea Pirlo. In this team, at this point in time, attempting to build a winner from scratch out of an expansion to, uh, team. There's a good piece on this by, uh, by Will Parchman, our friend Will Parchman at Top Door Soccer, by the way, the 91st Minute blog, titled, NYCFC is a puppet state. And that's not, we're not surprised by that, are we? I think we're, we're I don't think we're surprised by that. Let's go to Landon in Salt Lake. What's up, Landon? Hey, David. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm well. I'm well. Let me let me hit a couple of tweets before I get to you, Landon. Uh, yeah. J yeah. J S Bernaval, which is a fantastic name, J S Bernaval, selling jerseys, bringing the Italian community at the stadium, uh, prestige, bling bling. What else? To me, Pirlo at NYCFC, meh. Uh, and then PWCO2 seems like old news to me. Get it? Okay, I'm done. Yes, I'm gonna. But um, thank you very much, PWC. Uh, guy called Noe. Uh, funny how only teams to take older DPS are teams who have not won MLS Cup, are in New York, and are in New York or in Toronto. Not all teams have older DPS. It's a good. It's a good point. I mean, there, there's not. It's not as though there's this rash of signing old guys. I mean, you got Kakana in Orlando. If you want to put him in that category, I think that's probably unfair. Um, who who else is out there that even rates as sort of the the retirement uh, retirement league DP? I don't know that. I mean, we had we had um, um, we had Marco Devay in, in Montreal, so that was one, but he's now gone. I don't know. Go ahead, Landon. Well, you got Gerard too, who's, who's kind of the sure. epitome of the, the retiring DP as yes, well. Yes, that's very true. Gerard, Gerard definitely counts. Mm -hmm. So, well, I know you kind of want to talk about it. Is that Pirlo incident is? Um, how much do you think he really is going to sell jerseys? Um, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I know Pirlo a bit, I'm not too familiar with them, but I know here in Salt Lake, the big thing that signs jerseys are the people who kind of represent the team and have been here for yeah, a while. Well, okay. You, um, you obviously my CFC is new, but. Yeah. You're talking about different, so I mean, you're talking about very different markets, mm -hmm. uh, Landon. And look, there is a gigantic Italian American community in New York. Obviously everybody knows that, um, many of them are either, uh, soccer fans through their family or are, have come to soccer. I mean, a lot of Italian-Americans sort of, they arrived here before they had even really made co soccer connections back in the old country, so they were never soccer fans, but now are sort of discovering it as the rest of us do. I, I think that there's probably a lot of Juve fans in the area. I don't I don't know. I mean, this, this is going to be the Thierry Henry at Red Bull effect with Arsenal fans. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but if I was a Juve fan, I'd rather buy a Juve or, jersey or, with his Ma, name on Milan. it to the team where he went to die. Uh, sure, but Milan, Juve, I mean, it, it's, it's, 
he's just an Italian legend. So I think that for having, you know, for having a a, a profile like that, I, I know I know what you're saying. You'd rather have a, a Juve shirt with his name on the back or a Milan shirt with the name his name on the back. But uh, but at the same time, it's kind of cool to say, hey, he's playing in my town and he's representing. Yeah. My city. Um, yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I don't think, I don't expect everybody to jump on board with the notion of why Andrea Pirlo makes sense from a marketing standpoint, but he does. Yeah, I can see that. Anyway, did you, uh, did you catch the Salt Lake game last night? I did. I stayed up late. I had to write and I watched the, I watched that game. Uh, obviously a big win for RSL. Uh, a bit of unfortunate, uh, Luck for, for Melia, who I thought played Malia, however you say it, uh, played very, very well and, and kept sporting in that game with a couple of big saves. Um, and I guess a big, I mean, you know, a big win for RSL that could potentially get them back on track here, but I'll believe it when I see it, Landon. No, I, oh, believe me, I, I wish I could say I disagree with you, but I don't in the slightest. Um, it was really nice last night out there, the game to, to see ourselves finally coming back a bit and, and showing who they used to be, which I thought was interesting considering that their starting lineup, they were missing a lot of people out there. Well, you say, um, well, a lot you of s- people who didn't play usually. You, you say that they showed who they used to be and yet they seem to be kicking the crap out of sporting, taking every opportunity to play physical soccer. And I, I, I didn't see, I didn't see peak level RSL, certainly. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely wasn't peak level, but it was, it was, a, it was a big change from what we saw at the beginning of the season, at the very least. I mean, they used to be in the fact that they're not losing consistently, which okay. is, which is just a nice change of pace. Sure. Um, I but so I'm, I'm gonna ask about that a bit. So one of the people who was, uh, missing last night was Lusabo. And, uh, kind of going, we're doing some research last night. You know, RSL's just saying that he's missing for personal reasons. And, and the rumors are out there that, that RSL's looking to sell him off. Uh, what do you think about that, and how do you think that's going to impact him? It's, uh, I, I hadn't heard that rumor. That's interesting. He's been such a key uh, player for them over what? How long has he been there? Six years at this point, something like that? Yeah, I think I think so, yeah. Um, I know he's definitely one of the more, more expensive players we have, too. Yeah, you know, he's certainly a, he's a, he's a DP-level player, uh, so he's taking up one of those spots. I could see them looking. I mean, look, Sebastian Jaime scores his first goal last night, but hasn't been good. Uh, for them, no, and, uh, and they they may feel the need to to go and and get younger, especially if they are going to try to sort of um, rebuild on the fly and, and maybe try to stay within the playoff hunt, but also uh, look to change out some pieces. And um, maybe Savario has decided it's time for him to go back home. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know what yeah. kind of suitors you're going to have for him, but I would imagine it's going to have to be a Costa Rican club. Yeah, and it'd be interesting. I know that like we we've been hurting for a bit and forwards, but people are starting to come back. Sandoval, even though his rookie year was great last year, it was kind of rough. He had a pretty good game last night, which was he did. which was nice. It was he great did. to see him coming up a bit. And Plotz is finally coming back. Jaime, it's too early to say. I was excited last night, but you know, as I said history is not showing he does really well. But if that's the case, I, I think it'd be kind of rough to lose him. But at the same time, it's you know, I'm not feeling well, too worried about our front line you up know, there. Well, I would, I would be a little worried. I mean, Plata, as you said, coming back from the injury hasn't quite hit his stride yet. He, I think he'll probably get there, but for the time being, you don't, you don't know how much you can count on him. The rest of your, the rest of your forward core is real dodgy in terms of finishing. Sebastian Jaime again, his yeah. first goal. Devin Sandoval, okay, he can get streaky, and he did what? He hit the post like twice last night or something? I mean, otherwise played pretty well. Maybe, maybe yeah. a great save by Melia. The other guy is almost Garcia, who has yet to figure it out and have it click. Um, if No, Garcia's, 
he just he doesn't cut it. He got lucky off the Ellis. I mean, I feel terrible for Ellis. He got lucky off that, but he's just not. He, he can't finish to save his life. Yeah, you know, I um, it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see if they if they sell Savarillo, they have to find a replacement. They have to sign yeah. somebody to yeah. replace him. So I don't know. This is a buy to sell situation. Maybe they have their eye on somebody specific who might who might jump to to MLS out from outside the country. I'm not talking about big name DP. I'm just talking about. You know, somebody within the 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 Sabarillo realm that's maybe five or six years younger, because uh, at this point Sabo's thirty three years old. So that may just might be about getting younger. Yeah. Hey, one one last thing, fast, Jason. Before I go, um, I didn't see it last night, so I wanted to see you know what you thought about it. The uh, uh, Javi coming down on Fail Harbor's heel at the end of that. How bad was that? And was it really as bad as, as everyone might? It was the second it yellow. It was absolutely a, if he had. It was a yellow card. Period. Forget whether he had a first one or not. That's a yellow card. That's a. I mean, he, that was dirty. And I'm not. I'm not saying that Javi Morales is overall some sort of ultra dirty player. He's sneaky dirty, just like a lot of players in MLS are sneaky dirty. And he decided he was going to step out and 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 scrape, you know, and uh, and scrape the the heel of Failhaber and make a point about something. Uh, get one over on Failhaber. He did it. He got away with it. I. I mean, I think that. If the referee sees it, it has to be a yellow and it has to be a sending off. It, it was bad enough for that. So, so people are talking possible discipline action. What do you think? You think that's going to happen, or was it wasn't that bad? Uh, considering it was um, direct intent to to, to injure a, a team, I mean an opponent. I mean you could make that argument. Um, certainly, just because he's you know just because he's just uh, raking his his cleats across the back of his heel doesn't mean that it, it couldn't have been worse for Failhaber. He couldn't have ruptured something or come down awkwardly or. So I would imagine a, a one-game suspension might be coming down the pipe. Okay, interesting. All right, well, that's it for me. I'd, well, last name is great. I'm still still upset about the 2013 Real MLS Cup, but you know when you when because of that, the tension in those SKC SKC games are great. So yeah, last night was tons of fun. But thanks, time, Jason. All right, man. There goes Landon. They they've developed something pretty rough and tumble between those two teams. I, I guess it goes back to that that 13 uh, 2013 final. I guess that's where it all stems from. I know that didn't they didn't haven't they had preseason run-ins with each other? I haven't sporting and RSL like been in Arizona and some crap went down because I feel like that's one of the things that and it was that was definitely high tension last night at Rio Tinto. That was definitely one of those. At any point, you thought somebody was going to lash out. We were going to see a sending off. It was going to get ugly. Now, ultimately, it didn't happen. And RSL again got got lucky with a deflection uh, that beat the Sporting keeper to to win that game, and I think Sporting has to feel as though they sort of let one go, and not just the one point, but maybe overall because I they had their opportunities, they didn't take them. Vince on Twitter thoughts on the Perky uh, Perky uh, Jacobson incident. I haven't seen that one yet, uh, Vince. To be honest with you, so I apologize. I there's only so much uh, video I could watch in a in a 12 hour span, and I haven't been able to. To catch up on that particular incident, need to to go back and look at it. Um, but I, from what I can tell, uh, something happened. <laughs> I, I mean, something happened that's going to deserve some sort of uh, perhaps some sort of review. Six four six eight three two three nine zero nine is your phone number. We're here on a Monday. How much are you looking forward to tonight in the U.S. Women? And what about this notion? What about the notion that as Americans, as American soccer fans? We should be rooting for Columbia tonight. What do you make of that? Because I read an article this weekend that said you should be rooting for the underdog Colombians 
in the round of 16 against the U.S. Women's National Team. You know why? Because they're underdogs. You know why? Because they're plucky. Because they've got style. Because they've got swagger. And the United States Women's National Team, they're not likable. They're not likable at all. Who would like them? Hope Solo, Abby Wambach's mouth. I don't know. Being facetious here. And here's, here's the thing about this piece, and I, 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 can't, I don't have a lot of time to go deep into it. I will point you in its direction if you feel like just rage reading. Why you should root for the cocky upstart Columbia against the U.S. at the World Cup, at the U.S., sorry, U, the USA at the World Cup by Mark Dent at Slate.com. Yeah, of course it's Slate. A couple people pointed out to me this is peak Slate. This is one of those peak Slate moments. Of course, they're contrarian and hipster. Mark's uh, argument mostly comes down to the, to, again, to the underdog argument. But there is that issue of the U.S. women and not exactly being the most likable group. Here's your, here's your clothes. Here's your, here's your, your, your hammer at the end of this piece. Columbia represents a future every women's soccer fan should cheer for, even if as an American, You'd prefer its last-second Cinderella shot clank off the United States goalpost this time around. And, okay, I can root for the future that Columbia represents without actually rooting for Columbia. I think I can figure that out. Right? I, I, I can separate those things. I, I, wanna, I want the United States women's national team who win the whole thing. And here's the, here's the, here's the thing about rooting for a team nobody else likes. Patriot fans know all about this. Raiders fans know all about this. Uh, who else? I, I want to say Lakers fans know all about this. Certainly the Kobe Lakers. Who else does know? But the Yankee fan, Yankee fans know all about this. This makes Yankee fans even more proud to be Yankee fans. And nobody else likes their team. Now, the Yankees, it's not always about the likability of the players. They've had likable players. I won't deny that. Maybe it's the organization in that case. For the U.S. women, maybe some of the players are not likable for you personally. But that's you should own that. This is still your team. They're still representing you. They're still your United States women's national team. You can't turn your back on them because the plucky Colombians are fun to watch. What is that? You're a terrible soccer fan, Mark Dent. Terrible soccer fan, and I want nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing. And nothing to do with your people. Well, I, I brought it up here, and I'm using it for discussion on Soccer Morning, so there's that. But other than that, I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. All right, let's get ready to wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Make sure you go to backheel.com slash store. We've got uh, crazy cool T-shirts. We've got the Soccer Morning mug. There may be some other products there. I need to go review and see what Trevor's done recently with the place. If nothing else, I know there's crazy cool t-shirts and some backheel, uh, some uh, soccer morning mugs. Excuse me. Backheel.com slash store. Backheel.com also the place you can get um, this show in podcast form as well as all of the excellent programming that Backheel pumps out, including Jonathan Tannenwald's Women's World Cup uh, podcast, which is now, I believe, on its third episode. He's killing it up there in Canada. Getting fantastic guests talking through the storylines, the big storylines around this tournament, including the U.S. women, of course, 
So you should be taking a listen to that. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, oh, 3-0-FC.com for your official Soccer Morning t-shirt. Thank you very much to Jack Lang, who is no longer Snap Kaka Pop on Twitter. He is Jack at Jack Lang. So you should follow him at Jack Lang. Thanks to producer Trevor. Woo. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Uh, see if the U.S. women can make it into the quarterfinals. See you then. Bye.